Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry E, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. F1 2022 is here. The first race of the season is in the books and it is a great start by Ferrari and Charles Leclerc taking a 1-2 at the Bahrain Grand Prix with Lewis Hamilton third on the podium. The new era of F1 is here, Sam. Not exactly like it was last year. I mean, I'm buzzing. I don't know about you, but I've had an absolutely lovely time. Um, didn't expect any of that. I'm just having a really good time. That was really fun. So, well done, F1. You, the regulations appear to have worked. You've done something correctly. Um, contact happened. The right person got penalised. Track limits are apparently now being monitored properly. Um, although there was some murmurings that drivers are allowed to just do whatever they want next to each other, which is an interesting call. We'll get into that another time, I'm sure. But you know what? Grazie ragazzi. Ferrari, look at this. You've done it, lads. You've bloody got to dang it. I don't know what to say. I'm just too excited for him. This is a lovely time. I mean, Ferrari, competent in 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 every way is is something I'm, I'm it's unusual. And Ben, I don't know how you feel. Do you trust him anymore? In the mud, Ben. Hey, I mean, it's a long season. It's a long season. They've got a lot of time to mess up. But you are indeed right. It does seem as if 2022 is the year of it being topsy-turvy because Ferrari are suddenly competent, Haas are outscoring Red Bull, and Harry's actually getting predictions right. So everything is mental in 2022. Um, yes. And predictions we will come on to in a little bit. I think it's best to start with Ferrari, of course, with them claiming the 1-2, the perfect start to the season. 44 out of 44 points coming out of this race weekend. Um, and we'll start, of course, with Charles Leclerc. Now, 
everyone who was listening to the podcast at the back end of last year knows that typically we refer to Charles Leclerc as God Leclerc for his godlike ability. But his god status was taken away as a result of a bad Abu Dhabi Grand Prix where he didn't do very well and also he lost the signs on the season. So for the last few months, he's been stranded as Moses Leclerc. Um, so everyone uh, everyone has been in touch like constantly with me on this to find out whether he has his god status reinstated. And all I can say is, yes, God Leclerc, you have got your god status reinstated. It will be God Leclerc until he messes up again. So well done to you. The Ferrari won too, Harry. What did you make of the performance? You were, you of course, predicted a good weekend for Ferrari. Are you surprised that you're right and it actually came through? Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> Utterly and completely shook off. Um, you know, I mean, it was such a weird... I, I felt like it ebbed and flowed throughout the weekend as to who were the favourites because, you know, Ferrari obviously looked strong, but after the final test, it was clear Red Bulls were there and perhaps looked like the quicker car and even as we went through the practice sessions you know Red Bull were quick in second and third practice um, and again through qualifying it looked like Verstappen had it hooked up and then right at the death Leclerc pops in on pole um, so yeah it didn't look I wasn't confident I mean I'm never confident about my predictions and I thought well obviously it's not going to happen again so yeah I wasn't confident but, but Ferrari Ferrari proved well, prove me right, I guess, and prove me wrong at the same time. But um, yeah, they just, as I said, they just looked competent. The car, the car looked like it; they could handle anything Leclerc and Sainz wanted it to do. Um, it was better on its tyres. It was quick in qualifying, obviously, because they got pole. Um, and yeah, it was just, just lovely to see. I'm, I'm very happy Ferrari are back. I know they have been the butt of our jokes, mainly Ben's jokes, but the butt of our collective jokes over the past two three years but it is just nice to see them back and hopefully this is the sign that we have a three-way fight for the championship as long as the Red Bulls can finish a race Mercedes just get a tiny bit quicker I mean that is a tantalizing prospect for this year first win obviously since the back end of 2019 two pretty terrible seasons by Ferrari standards Sam, what did you make of the performance of Leclerc, the team generally, and, and how do you think they'll fare going forward? Well, obviously we've bestowed Moses Leclerc with his pure title of God Leclerc. He's back to that godly status. But, I mean, speaking of Moses Leclerc passing the Red Sea, he became the Red Sea. He completely washed away the competition. The man was on fire. He was ridiculous. Um, I, I can't believe how strong they've come out this season. And... Harry, as you were saying, you know, we know what Ferrari have been like the past few seasons. They've been unreliable with strategy. They've made poor calls. The car just doesn't seem to do what it's meant to do. Every time they get a, a smidge of good faith go their way, something bad happens and it all, it all goes to absolute pot. But it's like a, like a really bad, scary movie, right? You sit down and you're thinking, OK, here we go. I'm waiting for the jump scare. Is it, is it, you know, oh, OK, we've got an open door in the background. Is something, might, hide behind the blanket. No, no. Oh, OK, we're fine. We're fine. And you get an hour and a half into the film. And you're thinking, there's still no jump scare here. I'm OK. That's what it's like watching Ferrari this race. They managed to go through a whole horror film without a single jump scare. And you know what? That's pretty damn hard to do. But well done, Ferrari. Carlos Sainz was a little bit off the pace of his teammate. But you know what? I'm sure if you said to Ferrari, you'll get a 1-3. You'll get the fastest lap. 
um, and you're looking very competitive, I'm sure they're going to be bitting your hand off for that result. I don't think they were going to be at all bothered by the fact that Sainz is running in third place. I think he's going to have to find his form a little bit just to keep up with Gog Leclerc. But, hey, look, other teams make mistakes, other teams have problems. And Sainz was there to do exactly what we've always said a secondary driver should do. And that is to mop up what goes wrong where other people have issues. I'm not sure Sainz is going to like being called the secondary driver. But as it stands, Leclerc is the man who is uh, leading the championship. We'll see if that goes a little bit topsy-turvy and changes in the next few races. But... Well done them. They delivered absolutely everything they could. 44 points out of 44 points. And um, arguably their closest competitors in terms of overall pace, Red Bull, walk away with nothing. The gap between who are the two title contenders currently at 44 points is an absolutely huge margin to overcome. Not often do both cars at the front not finish in the points. So, um, yeah, I think Ferrari are going to have a very, very joyful week. And let's see if they can do it all again in seven days' time come Saudi Arabia. I mean, you say there's 44 points between the championship rivals, but there's actually only 34 because um, Haas scored 10. So it's a 44-10, 34-point <laughs> difference there. Um, yeah, that was an incredible race from Charles Leclerc and indeed Ferrari generally. I'll, I'll focus on Charles Leclerc firstly. That battle with Max Verstappen firstly was fantastic for F1 because if we can see that more often going forward in this season, that is great for the sport generally. Uh, and we'll talk about how the 2022 cars stacked up versus what we expected a little bit later on. Um, but at least looking at that in that you know series of uh, overtakes and re-overtakes in isolation, that was fantastic to see. And I think a lot of people have, have slept on Charles Leclerc as a result of uh, Ferrari not being up to speed in the last couple of years. I think some people have forgotten how good he exactly is. Um, and a lot of the time throughout the 2021 season, the, nar the narrative was there's Lewis Hamilton, there's Max Verstappen, and then there's a bunch of other guys. And there isn't anyone else on the grid capable of battling the two of them. And I think Charles Leclerc proved today that he isn't to be forgotten about. He is still there. And when he's given a car that is capable, he can absolutely take it to the best in Formula One. I'm convinced that Charles Leclerc, uh, I don't know, well, obviously Max Verstappen retired, so that changes things a bit. But I am convinced that the majority of drivers in Charles Leclerc's position would have been overtaken by Max Verstappen today. I think the majority of, of drivers would have been overtaken into turn one and tried to defend that position too hard and not given themselves the opportunity back down into turn four. Charles Leclerc was fantastic. He was more than happy to give up the position in the first instance because he knew, tactically speaking, strategically thinking, he could get that position back if he's to stay in the slipstream and get the move done into turn four. I'm convinced the majority of drivers don't see that situation unfold. They try and hold on to the position into turn one. And as a result, they lose the position. And Max Verstappen goes on to not necessarily win the race because of what happened with reliability, but he would have gone on to lead. Charles Leclerc was fantastic in that respect. In terms of the team, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I... You know, we record this almost straight after the Grand Prix happens, so I still can't believe what I saw. I am pretty certain, or I was pretty certain, that it was a glitch in the graphics because that wasn't uncommon today when it came up with a 2.3 second pit stop when everyone else was struggling to break three seconds. That's Ferrari we're talking about, the kings of five second pit stops. And strategically, <laughs> I, there was one call over the team radio, which was to Charles Leclerc, which... All it said was, we're staying with plan A. What happened to plan G minus seven laps? That That is competent. That's sticking to your guns. 
Well done, Ferrari. Um, I don't think it was perfect, and this is going to sound, uh, you know, this is going to sound strange because normally this doesn't work out this way. But I actually think the safety car somewhat ruined the end of this race because I, I think it would have been fascinating to see whether it was Leclerc or Verstappen that had the better strategy. And because we don't know that, I can't throw my confidence behind Ferrari. My instinct is Red Bull got that right, and Verstappen would have gone on to overtake Leclerc. Not sure. We'll never know. Um, but until I see Red Bull versus Ferrari in a strategic fight like that one that was about to unfold, and Ferrari get it right and win, I can't. I can't say with confidence they've got this. There was so. a. There was a. There was a glimpse of panic, wasn't there? I know, the, and I see what you mean because they pitted Verstappen, and then Ferrari reacted by pitting Signs. And I was like, "Hang on a second, that's the wrong. That's the wrong that's Ferrari the wrong for car. the wrong Red Bull. You're reacting to the wrong one." And then obviously, safety car came out, and then Red Bull retired, so it didn't matter. But yeah, you're right. There was a there was a glimpse of them going, "Oh God, Mamma Mia! Oh God!" Um, yeah. yeah. I think by my, my rough calculations were that Verstappen was going to have to be, on average, two seconds a lap faster for the rest of the Grand Prix, and Degg was high, so I, I think he could have done it, but again, I mean, we will never I, know. I disagree with you. You're coming up with a hypothetical situation, and the amount of times that we've said in a Formula 1 race that staying out that extra lap, controlling the pace, and maybe a late safety car comes out is a viable and fair strategy. And yeah, okay, it was a bit like, hang on a minute, we need to do the workings out. What is what is the plan here before that safety car comes out? But they reacted perfectly well the same two times beforehand. It paid off for them. Yes, it was close with Verstappen doing the undercut, but it, it worked. Leclerc is calm. He was dictating things well. I think over the radio at one point, you heard Ferrari go, you're pulling away, you're faster. And then Leclerc going, yeah, just remember, folks, there he's on the used tyre. We are on the new tyre. Let's remember there is a difference here. Just calm down, everyone. We're only eight <laughs> laps into the championship here. Um, and then, you know, I think staying out for a safety car is a fair call. And I think that Leclerc would have had enough to maybe keep pushing and keep pushing. You're right. We've seen it before. It's happened with Hamilton and Verstappen. You know, that famous hung Hungary Grand Prix where Hamilton clawed back the time, made the move. It definitely was possible that that could happen again. But fair play. I think Ferrari did enough. And you know what? Strategically, when the safety car restarted, they were well in front. Leclerc executed the restart brilliantly by squeezing Verstappen on the inside. It was, for me... For once, I can't believe I'm saying it. Ferrari, you were flawless. I thought it was brilliant from them. Huge. Huge. Forgive me. <laughs> I, I, I want to see them win a Hungary 2019, a Spain 2021 before I'm like, yeah, they got it. Baby They're steps, fine. Ben. Baby steps, please. Okay. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Rome they wasn't had to tell... in a day. They had to try and tell their drivers that if they don't get overtaken, they'll win the race a season ago. Let's just let them <laughs> actually do well in a championship first, please. To be fair, you mentioned that point about Leclerc having to calm them down. I did, I did enjoy that because it was like they were like eight laps in, as you say, and they're like, "We're, we're winning, we're winning, we're quick." <laughs> and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> calm down, guys." Yeah, give us the let's championship. Th let's now. take a breath. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe not all uh, all of their previous problems have been resolved, but you're absolutely right. A step in the right direction, both in terms of performance and indeed in terms of tactics and strategy. Um, Carlos Sainz, obviously until the safety car, he was considerably behind Charles Leclerc. He didn't seem to have much pace 
all weekend, really, throughout practice. He did pull it out the bag in Q3 to get close to Charles Leclerc, although he didn't out-qualify him. Uh, but in the race, he was uh, he was consistently double-digit seconds behind. Harry, do you think that's a sign of things to come, or do you think this was a bit of a one-off? Um, I, I would hope to say it's a one-off. And, we, you know, we've already seen from last year that signs can match Leclerc. Um, I think signs himself will be hoping it's a one-off. And, it, and after both quali yesterday and today... And, and, you know, admittedly, he probably slightly lucked into that P2 at the end. But you've got to take them. But at both times, he seemed quite quite down and dejected about his own performance. And I think he knew that it wasn't it wasn't quick enough and that he, you know, because he can't carry on. If he wants to challenge Leclerc, he can't carry on at that sort of pace for the rest of the year because Leclerc, Leclerc will just run off into the distance. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm confident that it won't be the case for the rest of the year. Um, but, yeah, I think Sainz himself immediately recognised that he couldn't couldn't afford to be that far behind um, Leclerc because otherwise it's going to be him versus Perez rather than him versus Verstappen and Leclerc because um, that was the kind of level he was operating at today so yeah not overly concerned but he definitely needs to definitely needs to step it up for the remaining well the, the remaining races the rest of the season yeah my view is that Ferrari don't need to be concerned because if this is the absolute worst of Carlos signs, then they're doing okay. And they've got a lineup that is capable of winning the championship as long as they are given that car that is necessary to win it. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a bit of a one-off rather than a pattern. And I'll, I'll need to see it a few times before I'm convinced that Charles Leclerc is going to walk away with that Ferrari battle based on what we saw uh, last year. But like I say, if, 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 Signs is there to pick up the pieces and that's the worst version of Signs. then they've already got what Red Bull have. So they're not losing out to Red Bull in that respect. Sam, one-off pattern, which way are you leaning? I've got a lot of faith in Carlos Sainz. We've seen him deliver immediately in the Ferrari last season. Yeah, obviously, with a little bit of good fortune, he finished in front of Leclerc over a whole season, which we shouldn't disregard because of one race result. You know, This could have happened in the middle of the season last year. We may have said the same thing. It's totally fine to have something where you're not at your best performance. And in his McLaren days as well, you know, you know how highly we all rate Norris. And Sainz did a fantastic job there as well. So I'm not going to start, you know, having putting the emergency fires out. I'm not going to have to start, you know, setting a board meeting ready to talk about Carlos Sainz. The man had a slightly off day. And you know what? If Carlos Sainz is qualifying in P3 just behind his teammate and he's finishing P2 in the race only a couple of seconds off his teammate and he's being this critical about himself, he's demanding more, he wants to get more out of himself, he thinks he could do better. That was bad in Carlos Sainz's eyes about what his performance was. I actually think that's very promising. I think that's really, really strong that Carlos Sainz goes, you know what? Not good enough. Second place, not good enough. One, two, not good enough. Unless I am the one at the front, it's not good enough. I'm sure he's a bit gutted. He still doesn't have a race wing in his pocket or in his stats. Um, but I think it's coming. And I do have faith in Carlos Sainz. Otherwise, we could end up seeing Carlos Sainz jump into the previous season Valtteri Bottas shoes, where he is going to be resigned to fighting Sergio Perez for the whole season, getting out of the way of Leclerc if there's any problems. And he will have to play second fiddle and the second driver. And we know that Ferrari are not afraid to use team orders and prioritise one driver over another. It happened when Leclerc went to um, Ferrari with Vettel in charge. Obviously, that quickly changed, but they immediately implemented driver and team orders. And we've seen it, of course, with the likes of Schumacher and Barrichello, uh, Alonso and Massa, you know, Felipe, baby. Alonso is faster than you. We've heard it all before with Ferrari. So 
Sainz needs to make sure he's still on it. I believe he will be. If he isn't, I'm sure Ferrari will not fret to start putting priority on one side of the garage. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay, uh, moving on to Mercedes. Uh, third and fourth place. Um, not ideal, as Sam might say, based on their recent history. But given the pace of their car, that might be all that they could have achieved this weekend. Would you agree with that, Harry? Do you think third and fourth was about as much as they could get given the circumstances? I, I think it's more. I think it's more than they probably should have got, to be honest. And, you know, that they should be... Look, the, uh, uh, Karun Chandok at the end of the race made the very good point that Mercedes will be concerned that by lap 47 or whatever it was, or late in the race, before the safety car came out, they were like 37 seconds behind Leclerc, or at least Hamilton was, and obviously Russell was further back. And that's you know not far far off the second of the lap that they were dropping to him. And I know they did different strategies, but still, that's concerning. So, yeah, for Mercedes, look, this, if they... If if anyone to, any team can turn turn it around this year, it'll be it's Mercedes, isn't it? So they'll be concerned about the pace, but I think given given the circumstances, this is a this is a very good very good result for them. And I get I think you know after quality yesterday, probably not even one they were hoping for a three four from a five nine starting position. I think I think they'll take that because they know it's a long season and if they turn that car around and get it working properly then these could be very valuable points particularly when Red Bull have scored absolute jack all well if we look at towards the end of this season if um, we do find that Mercedes are in a championship winning position or a better position Sam do you think they'll look back at this race and think wow what a result that was given the relative performance I think they're going to absolutely thank their lucky stars I think lucky is what they should be playing by Madonna on the bloody flight over to Saudi Arabia because it couldn't have been any better for them I think um, you know not only did they not bring the car to Bahrain in terms of the car that could win a race of course they did actually manage to bring two cars folks the fact that if you have said to me a week ago Mercedes will be closer to Haas than they will be to Ferrari and Red Bull. I would have... I don't know. My head would have exploded. I'm not entirely sure how you're meant to deal with that information after winning eight Constructors titles in a row. That um, Kevin Magnussen would probably be the biggest bother to them after what we've seen recently. You think new era, new regulations, who absolutely dominated last time? Mercedes. Who's got the financial backing, the technical know-how, the ability, the drivers to, to make the most of a new era? Mercedes. What haven't they done? make the most of a new era. Um, and I think the fact that they've seen their two closest title rivals over the last decade absolutely flounder with powertrain issues, with um, you know three Red Bull powertrain cars out in the first race at the end of it is absolutely shocking. That is worrying for Red Bull. They're going to have to do some, some big changes. So the fact that they're walking away second in the uh, constructors and their drivers are third and fourth is, um, is, is, like I've said, lucky. They were the first team to try out the hard tyre 
that was an abysmal decision. Um, they took forever to get George Russell off of that hard tyre, despite seeing Lewis Hamilton going three seconds a lap faster on the medium tyre than George Russell. Why did it take you five laps? He was 15, 16 seconds. Um, the gap closed at that point. He almost won himself a whole pit stop back at that point. Russell in qualifying as well, absolutely dropped the ball in Q3, missed the apex on turn one and was so off the pace for the last run that it was almost pointless doing so. Mercedes may not have brought the best car, but they definitely also showed a lot of chinks in their armour. Their pit stops were slow, the, the strategic decisions were poor, and Russell's qualifying was not really good enough. So I think the fact that they've walked away here with a 3-4, and you're right, if it comes to the final race of the season, and there's maybe a 15-20 to 20 point gap to them and maybe Red Bull about who finishes second or first or wherever it may be, and this is the difference, count your lucky stars, because you don't get a blessing like this often in a sport as ruthless as Formula 1. Yeah, uh, a point that both of you alluded to is, is not necessarily for Mercedes, I think, the worrying thing. I don't think it's most worrying where they are in terms of position. It's most worrying where they are in terms of pace because if you're going to list the teams out in terms of pace first through 10th, they would appear third, in which case you wouldn't be all that concerned, although obviously they do want to be fighting the, the two above them. What's most concerning is that gap because the gap between Red Bull or Ferrari in second back to Mercedes in third, that gap is larger than the gap between Mercedes in third and maybe Alpha Tauri or Alpine in seventh. Like that's that they are that that's the reality of it. That third to seventh group, based on Bahrain at least, is very, very closely closely aligned. The top two were a long way clear to the point where they had pit stops in hand. Um so this isn't just gonna be a, a little bit of a resolution needed this is going to be wholesale revolution needed for Mercedes in order to get back up to those top two positions um yes they absolutely did the best they could in terms of the result third and fourth was was better than what they deserved um and Mercedes were very adamant throughout the weekend that we just want to make it to the end we just want to make it to the end we'll see where we're at and we're all like yeah okay yeah you're going to be fine for the win but they were actually truthful. They they did just want to be there at the end. And, and this is why. Because even though for a first race of the season, the attrition was relatively low, it still paid dividends that they were there at the end when when Perez and Verstappen um, and Gasly weren't. So, yeah, I think this was about as good as what we could expect. In terms of looking at one side of the garage in particular, Sam, George Russell how did you find, I know it's not technically his Mercedes debut, but his first full-time weekend in the Merc, how did you think it went? Uh, well, like I've just said, uh, qualifying, considering that, you know, um, even Crofty brought it up, Mr. Saturday, which baffles me that we're still calling him Mr. Saturday, despite now being up against Lewis Hamilton, who has over 100 pole positions to his name. Um, it's a big claim to, to bespoke that on someone that has literally only been in a front-running car once in their entire career. He dropped the ball. The pressure got to him. He was not good enough in Q3. And he has to immediately rectify that qualifying performance. He has to always be right up alongside Lewis Hamilton. Valtteri Bottas proved that you could be up, up, up alongside Lewis Hamilton in qualifying. It is a possibility. Despite how good that man is on a Saturday, you can be right there with him. You can beat him on a Saturday. So George Russell needs to make sure that he's displaying that and not letting the pressure get to him. Come the race... Uh, it was a good start. He did well. He started to work through the traffic a little bit. But again, we only can really compare him to Lewis Hamilton, who, okay, he had a tougher start. He had to catch up to Lewis. 
He was off the pace pretty much the entire race. The gap was never closer than five or six seconds. He never looked like challenging Lewis. He never dictated, I don't want to be on this tyre. We heard Lewis on the radio four or five times. No grip on this tyre. What am I doing on this tyre? We've stopped too early. What's going on? Lewis was really displaying that seven-time champion ability over the radio. He was dictating his team. He was controlling the team. He was telling, and, you know, communication is key. And if you've watched Drive to Survive, folks, you'll hear that in the um, AlphaTauri episode with Yuki Tsunoda, the revelation comes across him. Communication is crucial in Formula 1. I don't remember hearing George Russell once. Now, I know we don't get broadcast every single radio communication, but <laughs> he didn't give him anything meaningful, clearly, because otherwise we tend to get shown it. And Hamilton, we had four or five times at least. So, yeah, okay, he may have said something, but we definitely didn't hear it. Russell, for me, was not good enough. He was not what I expected. I thought he was going to be a bit more potent, a bit more close than he is. It sounds probably more scathing than it should, but I have high expectations for George Russell. And Ben expects him to win the championship. So, you know, can't wait for that podcast if you're laughing at him, everyone. That's going to be fun. I might join in on that one too. But currently, subpar, not good enough. Early days, early days. Um, and <laughs> in all honesty, George, George Russell's performance didn't actually knock my confidence in that prediction whatsoever. Um, he was on par with what I thought he would be this weekend, given it was his second outing for the Mercedes team. Um, qualifying itself, I think, was was better than what the results showed. Um, he was there with Hamilton pretty much in Q1, Q2. He was a couple of attempts behind, attempts behind. So he was pretty much there. So that was encouraging enough. Q3, like you say, he messed up that first corner. As far as I'm aware, that was mainly due to the fact that they tried something different on the outlap, tried to push too hard to try something different to get up there with Ferrari and Red Bull. Didn't pay off, but I respect him trying something different. Um, and ultimately, again, pace-wise, I think he was okay on Saturday. Uh, on the Sunday, yeah, he was about as far behind as I thought he was going to be. Um, yeah, Hamilton had the edge for the entire Grand Prix. It does need to be said that Hamilton was on a slightly different tyre strategy where uh, Russell in that sec in that last stint would have had fresher tyres. So I think he would have closed the gap. I don't think it would have been enough to challenge him at all, but I think it would have been less than, than what it would have been without the safety car. Um, but overall, I think it was okay... He'll have better race weekends. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. Harry, were you slightly let down by Russell's performance? Do you think it was on par? Uh, yeah, I, d I don't. Um, yeah, his it was all done, undone in qualifying, basically, as we, as, you, as you've both already mentioned. Um, <clears throat> that Q three lap kind of not ruined his weekend because I think he recovered well, but um, yeah, it didn't didn't help his cause. So obviously, and you know. We know we know that was a mistake and I'm slightly uncharacteristic, I guess, from George from what we've seen so far. But um, he can't afford to keep doing that. Obviously, his race pace, I yeah, I thought he recovered pretty well. And like say he, I don't think he had the pace on Hamilton. Hamilton always had the edge during the race. But I think you know the mid part of the race, he was about yeah, like say that five second mark, and then he was kind of left out hanging a little bit on that new strategy. And like say that was a, there was a reason for it because. It was so he had fresher tires potentially at the end, um, but that obviously didn't pay up. So yeah, it was fine. I mean, it's it's such a it's such a you know tough one because you're judging him against Lewis Hamilton, which as we found with Valtteri Bottas, standards are very high because it's Lewis Hamilton. So 
it was a it was a fine it was a fine race. He needs to not make that mistake again in quality, but I think generally it was it was it was all right. I think he was there or thereabouts with Hamilton most of the weekend pace wise. Maybe needs to work on his race pace a little, a little bit more. Um, but it would be really interesting to see if you know one day when they start alongside each other rather than fifth and ninth, how that will how that will play out. Indeed. Indeed, but at least for the time being, it looks like that will only be fifth and sixth rather than first and second. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, driver of the day, Sam, who have you got? Oh, I get to go first. I mean, I, yeah. I will probably have to pick the obvious one, won't I? Um, Charles Leclerc is my pick, but I, I had some... I, I, we bothered for all the reasons, I'm not going to dwell on it, but I actually just do want to give out some honourable mentions to two drivers who picked up points today. Kevin Magnussen. Box office is back, baby. Hello. Look at him go. Mr. I can't stop locking up my brakes, but still somehow managed to pick up fifth place. Um, he was phenomenal. Great to see Haas doing so well. Um, and it was only going to be seventh before the double RB retirement. So well done to K-Mag. And Valtteri Bottas, who had an absolute stinker on the first lap and fell backwards, ends up in sixth place. So um, also massively happy for him. Uh, really, really successful. So I'm really, really pleased for them. But yeah, Leclerc, he was just head and shoulders above the rest of the field, in my opinion. Easy choice for me. Charles Leclerc. God, Leclerc. Worst driver of the day. Uh, for the reasons I've already given, his defensive driving against Verstappen was fantastic. His general pace was was brilliant versus the rest of the field and indeed his teammate. Um, you know, Magnussen and Bottas both had um, pretty good races. I don't think they were brilliant um, in that Magnussen lost those two positions to the Mercedes far too easily. Um, and I, I get it's not a crime to lose the positions to the Mercedes, but the way he locked up in doing so both times wasn't fantastic. Bottas had a pretty good race as well. Um, I was a bit disappointed with his lack of clinical instinct on Yuki Tsunoda. Um, he really oh, needed to get past again. before oh. he did. <laughs> but overall, good result for him as well. Uh, but for me, this was easy. Leclerc for, for me. Harry? Yeah, um, we're going to make a triple triple whammy on this one. I think, um, like I say, there are definite, definite honourable mentions in Magnussen and um, Bottas. Also, Zhou Guanyu, which I believe we, have to call, we should call him that. Um, solid first race from him, I thought. But uh, yeah, for me, there was a couple, you know, those two mistakes, Bottas's start and Magnussen's, you know, entry into our Hall of Fame were those breaking zones. Um means that I can't give it to them but yeah Charles Leclerc was was flawless and you know when he had Verstappen coming at him at those two or three laps which was intense did not panic just you know retook him on the next DRS or the next straight um, didn't get flustered by that whatsoever so very impressive stuff from Leclerc and fully deserving of the triple driver, the driver of the day award from us I think I'll give one additional shout out Alex Alban I thought he did very well. Oh, yeah, true, true. Sorry, Alex. Worst driver of the day. Who have you got, Sam? 
Well, we speak of Alex Albon, and then we flip to the other side of the garage. Um, it's all well and good losing to your teammate. It's not too well and good losing your teammate who's been out of the sport for over a year, and you know you, you need to step up. And the fact that we had a safety car seven laps from the end, and he still managed to finish what eight, nine, ten seconds behind Albon, both McLarens in front of him. I think he only finished a second, maybe two seconds in front of Hulkenberg, who again steps into that car. Let's remember on the Thursday. He literally hasn't touched this car properly in a competitive field at all. It hasn't been in a race car again for a whole season, for a couple of years now, other than the one tour races he respo- responded for COVID. This is not good enough from Latifi. I know he brings financial backing into the team. We all love him. He's a lovely guy. But that performance, when your teammate is able to beat both McLarens, and, you know, if there was a couple more instances getting to the points after not being F1 for a while, Latifi... You've got to be stepping up, mate. You can't. I don't want you expect you to beat him, but be right behind him, be fighting with him, move up the field. It just is not good enough from Latifi. That is a real letdown from him, I think. Uh, if if we're just looking at performance here and nothing else, for me the worst driver of the day was Nico Hulkenberg. But I am going to apply context to this as you've done, Sam, uh, and give it to Nicholas Latifi because yes, Nico Hulkenberg stepped in at the last moment. Nicholas Latifi, he has been there for a few years and got beaten by a guy who has been out of F1 for a year and was moving to a new team. Um, so yes, it's Latifi for me as well. I'll also say I was pretty unimpressed with Alonso. Um, just, Agreed. That was it seemed my like. It seemed a very un-Alonso race. It seemed like it was there for him to be the responsible, now oldest driver on the grid, to be the one managing his tyres. And he was the one who struggled the most, it seemed. So um, I didn't think he had a great race, but Latifi wins that one for me. Harry, for you? Maybe she, maybe Alonso just hates Bahrain. Yeah. He, he was pretty naff there last year as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's another triple whammy. I'm sorry, Nicholas. Um, yeah, like you say, Ben... Hulkenberg obviously was was pretty slow, but you can't really fault him for that. He literally was still in bed on Thursday morning. I read, should I read earlier that he, he apparently spoke to Sky Germany and that the the Seb call came on Wednesday night, but Hulkenberg was already asleep in bed and then he slept over and he was woken up by his neighbour because they were looking for him so bad. So that's uh, that's, <laughs> that's how his weekend was. Um, but yeah, no, I'm gonna give it give it to Latifi because album. You know, steps into a car, into the car after a year out, and and quite frankly, whoops his ass. It was it was it was a crushing, crushing performance by album relative to Latifi all weekend. He he smashed him in quality and then smashed him again in the race. So not great for 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 Nutella man. He he got that can out. <laughs> he got that can of whoop ass out. And do you know what he did? He opened it. <laughs> Correct. Good. <laughs> Moment of the race, Sam. Uh, I'm glad we've come to me first. I'm going to go with the obvious one and have that DRS, you know, first sector exchange battle with Leclerc and Verstappen. Um, those two fighting together really showed intelligence. It showed great wheel-to-wheel combat. No one was put at risk. No one was run off the road. It was really fun to watch. It was excellent strategy. Um, Leclerc thinking that through to make the move back again into turn four. Absolutely love that. That is what F1 is all about, to fight for the league of a race. Um, and I thought they were both brilliant at it. So that is the moment of the race for me. Uh, I would have picked that one, but I have got another one lined up because I assumed that was what you were going to go for. Um, and I've already mentioned this, but you know, I was sat there having a drink of water. I'm going to do it for effect, actually. Oh, good. Don't spit it out, Ben. Please there we go. Spit it out. Um, All right. <laughs> 
I was there sipping away um, and saw the Mercedes of Hamilton come in and they did, what, a 3.2 second pit stop. I'm like, okay, well, we don't really know what we're to expect, what the context is. Okay, well, I guess that's around what we're looking at now. Three second pit stops. Okay, here comes Carlos Sainz. 2.3. 2.3 seconds. I still can't get over. Ferrari are now good at pit stops. It's as if everyone else has slowed down because of the new tyres and they're like, okay, we'll go quicker. So that was my moment of the race. Harry, from you. Um, for my moment of the race, I'm going to go for when um, Esteban wrecking ball Ocon on lap one just ploughed into the side of Mick Schumacher and the ma- Mick just styled it out like it was nothing. Styled it out and so nearly kept hold of the place. Oh, he's pretty the used to it by now, isn't he? Slick victories had a year of Mazabin, I suppose. But uh, I bet he was like, oh, God, not you, not my teammate. Oh, wait, that can't be right. Um, yeah, he started out um, very graciously. And yeah, like I say, he only lost a couple of places from it. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that one immensely. But obviously, the, the two you mentioned are very valid, very valid choices. Mick's just there, like, what are all these cars that are not white and red? What are they doing here? <laughs> I thought this was Why a test I, yeah. session. Why are the cars behind me and in front of me? I can't deal with this. Can we just get one of those um, snowboard commentators dubbed in over the top of Mick's spin? It's like a flip side, 360. You know, like a tail grab. I think he absolutely nailed it. It was great to watch. Good job. I mean, Mick, if you could have scored points, because we're about to get onto bold predictions, um, I would have been right. But I'm not going to be now. and It's your fault. Well, they did leave him out, didn't they? Right? They did. They They did leave him out. Um, although if they pit him I don't think he would have been there anyway but yeah. by the by um, this is usually the point of the show that Harry hates the most but today this will be his highlight I'm sure because we're going to review bold predictions uh, my bold prediction was that both McLarens would be out by lap 25 they both finished the race um, although as I said to the guys before we started recording they might <laughs> as well have retired they were that slow Um Sam, your bold prediction, as you alluded to, very nearly came true. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> that took so long. Oh, the delayed snare. Um, oh, okay. Both hash drivers in the points um, for you, Sam. And one of the two drivers lived up to that Kevin Magnussen finished P5. Schumacher was in the points until a few laps to go. Um, he tumbled out and eventually finished oh, so close. P11. Oh, I was Unlucky. so close. But we now do something that I'm not quite sure how to approach this. It's not like I've had any experience, but we now approach a correct bold prediction from Harry Eid uh, because he said that Ferrari would complete the perfect weekend. Uh, Charles Leclerc would win the race. He would get the fastest lap. He'd get pole position and that he'd lead every lap. And he did it all. I don't don't understand. I don't understand. Well, this goes on forever. Sorry, guys. This is longer just, than the race. Just to check. That goes on for another 36 seconds. <laughs> I just want, this is perfect podcasting from us as per usual. I just want to check. You have put that in live mode because the people are going to be very confused otherwise. Good. Okay. Yes, I did. I was, ex- yes, I did. I was expecting there to be silence for like five seconds of the podcast then. <laughs> well, but we're yes, listening Harry to a round of applause that they can't hear. <laughs> one for one is Harry Eid on bold predictions so far. Uh, we'll, move, we'll move on to McLaren briefly um, because they weren't very good. They weren't very good at all. 
Um, I think that we can move on from that. That's about it, right? Yeah, I mean, much not more, much more needs to be said. Harry, why weren't they very quick? <laughs> um, ooh, good question. Uh, I, I don't really know. Look, I mean, there's some context to it, I guess. they Their last, well, their three days in Bahrain, Ricardo didn't get any running because of COVID, although he beat Norris in the end. I'm not, I wasn't really paying too much attention to that fight, but um, anyway, but yeah, they obviously had the issues with the brakes, so they were not really doing any running, but for a car that seemed not the favourite, but it was up there, you know, being whispered with up there with the Ferrari is a good car after Barcelona, that's quite a turnaround in the wrong direction. It's, um, it's a worrying one, and, I, and I'm really hoping that it's down to the lack of testing and track time that they got in 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 the second or the first test, whatever. The, the not there was only one test, test, Harry. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that's what it is, and that there is a good car that they've just not unleashed under there. The thing that is odd to me is how is how bad all the Mercedes power cars are. What's that about? Apart from the Mercedes. I mean, the Mercedes isn't great, but it's still like up there. But yeah, w- really weird one. Um, yeah, it's a worrying, a worrying sign for, for McLaren. And I, I, I be- I'm confident. I'm not saying they're going to maybe regain the form they had last year, but I'm confident that they can claw their way off the back of the grid. Um, I don't think they're going to remain there for the rest of the season. I think they... I think they do have a good car that they've just not unlocked it properly, whether it's track related or I don't know. But I, I'm, I, I really maybe I'm being too hopeful. But I do think there's more to that car than they produced this weekend, and it was just in fact, in effect, a test session for them today. Um, because, well, Ben, you mentioned this already. Poor Lando Norris and his four-year contract right now is, is getting nervous, a bit sweaty. Um, but yeah, I think there's more to come from McLaren. Today was just write that one off. Not good. You make a good point with there being a pattern behind the Merck power units all struggling. Um, it, it's odd, and it might just be a coincidence. But yeah, apparently the power unit to be with is Ferrari. They seem to have a clear. Ad- uh, hang on a minute. I'm sure I've got a. Uh, a t- <laughs> what are they up to? <laughs> hat here somewhere. Hang on. <laughs> Uh, it's got to be one around this. To this year, I don't. It's as I said before. Harry's getting things right. Ferrari are getting things right. Mercedes aren't winning. Haas are good. What's going on? Um, Maka, Sam, do you think this is something to be concerned about going forward or not? Well, you know, you mentioned the powertrain, and the powertrain can only be so um, responsible because, I mean, okay, Mercedes weren't bloody running around 1-2, but look at them. They were fifth and sixth comfortably, I think, by the end of the race. And obviously, they got a little bit lucky with what was going on with the other teams around them and managed to get a podium. Now, it's like the 2022 regulations have played an Uno reverse card on the 2014 regulations, and suddenly, the powertrain that you all wanted to have, which was the Mercedes one at the start of the hybrid era, has gone, hang on a minute, we're rubbish now. And Ferrari is suddenly the absolute pinnacle of engine power. Um, so that isn't a good start for anyone that's running on Mercedes power engine. They've got work to do to develop that in a time where you've got budget uh, allocations to work with. Engine freezes are going on. It's not ideal, as I might say. Um, but then you've got other issues, as you've already said. Ricardo, of course, missed an entire session due to the fact that he had COVID. He might have still been struggling with those effects. You know, we heard that Hamilton as well, when he picked it up. 
He took a long time to get himself back to full fitness. Ricardo might be dealing with the same thing. That doesn't excuse Norris, of course. And I think, as you said, Norris is going to be very, very nervous about what's going on. All of a sudden, the car that was picking him up podiums, he was fighting possibly for a race wing. Um, Ricardo got that race wing last year. They were trundling around at one point in 18th and 20th place, and it did not look like they had any chance of moving up again anytime soon. The aero package is clearly a disaster, and they do clearly need to bring in massive updates soon. Fortunately, they've got the resources, the backing, the engineering capability to get themselves off the back of the grid. But I think that we will not see a McLaren top four, top five finish this season. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the constructors, they don't finish any higher than P6 or P7. At a real push, if they're lucky. Um, this is a disaster. They have gone back so much further than I ever thought they would. It's very close to the Jenkson Button, Fernando Alonso era of, um, of Formula One about six, seven years ago now. Absolute disaster for them. Yeah, um, I concur. I, I think it is incredibly worrying because there is track variance. Track variance exists and there are certain venues you'll be good at and certain venues you won't be good at. We saw that with McLaren themselves last year. They were brilliant at Monza, um, but they didn't have that pace all season long. And it was that, you know, Monza is set up in a way that top speed is very important and, you know, low speed cornering isn't as important and they were fine there. Um but there's a difference between track variance and the drop that we saw from Barcelona to here. In Barcelona, we were looking at McLaren as definitely a top four team, possibly in contention for wins. But it's not as if here at Bahrain, they fell short of that by a little bit. And actually, they were only on the precipice of points or only eighth and ninth. They were probably the slowest team out there. It was them, or, or Williams, maybe Aston Martin as well. All three of those don't look great at this point in the year. But they were not just worse than what was expected. They were so much worse than what was expected. And is this going to be a turn? I, there are those mitigating factors that you spoke about. I don't know. I think this is a bigger issue. And yeah, they're going to need to bring some upgrades. And they're going to need to bring them fast. Uh, maybe they'll be slightly ahead of where they were next weekend. Um, but I don't see it being a dramatic transformation where they're in a championship fight or even uh, contending for podiums. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com let's, let's have a chat about 2022 cars, shall we? Because these have been hyped up for a long time. Um, the, you know, the idea of these cars is that they would be much better in terms of following one another uh maybe necessitate you know the necessity of drs that might be re reduced or removed it was generally thought that the these cars could create better racing we've now seen one race and we're going to have a far better sample size as we go through the year but sam first inspection are you happy with what they've been able to achieve i'm happy but to a degree um the cars look incredibly tricky to drive which i actually think is a 
a real positive moment for uh, Formula One. You know, the cars are tough on the braking areas. We saw with a lot of the uh, the, the more skilled drivers, which is hard to say in Formula One, but the more skilled drivers in, in the grid locking up regularly. Um, we saw cars looking like they were going to spin. Lewis Hamilton, when he came out of the pit lane on the hard tyres, yes, I know that tyre blanket temperatures are different now and tyres are going to be cooling with the new 18 degrees. That's all part of the new regulations. Um, that was really hard for him to get underway. That's a seven-time world champion, almost falling off twice. And Zhou Guan Yu, bloody makes a pass on him because of that difference in tyre temperature. So that's a real tick. Um, and then you get to the thing that was meant to change the most that I have a bit of a problem with, and that is the wheel-to-wheel racing, right? We were meant to see wheel-to-wheel racing. Now, we had a good few passes across the race, which is fantastic. We had some moving, we had some fighting. I would say still 95% of overtakes still came majoritively is not 100% because of a DRS pass. Now, DRS has always been a necessary evil over the last few years because it was so difficult to get a move done without DRS involved. And we were hoping to step away from that. And I don't feel like that currently is the case. Even with that brilliant fight with Verstappen and Leclerc, it only happened because DRS was available to them. Verstappen was able to come from God knows how far back because he had DRS. Leclerc was unable to recover the position because he had DRS. And I'm slightly nervous that when we get to tracks like the Hungaroring, which are very dependent on cornering speeds and have no proper straight line areas and the DRS zone is very small, are we going to see a procession? Are we going to have that happen again? I hope I'm proved wrong. But the wheel-to-wheel racing was definitely good. We had some good moments. Uh, Ricardo getting past... Uh, Latifi or Albon, I think it was, or the Williams, into the hairpin section. Valtteri Bottas did the same with Sonoda. There were some good moments. The, the Alpines fighting as well. It wasn't unheard of to have a wheel-to-wheel battle, but it definitely wasn't happening as regularly as I would have liked to have seen. So, um, yeah, definitely the right direction. Definitely enjoyed it. The, the race was fantastic, and there are parts of this I absolutely love. But I would like to still see a little bit of closer following and moves in unusual places that aren't DRS straights. Great race. Still more non-DRS passing, please. British football analogy incoming. Oh, Lord. Um, And it's one that's relevant to Sam as well, because I'm going to use Newcastle for this. Um, For those of you who don't keep up with... Uh, for those of you who don't keep up with the, the Premier League football, soccer, as the Americans would indeed call it, um, Newcastle has recently been bought out by um, a very rich group of people um, to the point where they should be able to contend for, for trophies very shortly. Sam, if they were to spend, outspend everyone else by a huge amount, um, and next season they start off first, first game of the year, uh, they beat, um, let's say, Watford. They beat Watford 2-0. How would you feel about that result? Yeah, yeah good, good, good right? yeah. yeah. But it's not the real test, is it? Watford's not the real test Correct. in the same way that Bahrain is not the real test. The real test is Imola. The real test is Monaco. Maybe Jeddah as well. I know there are a few overtaking opportunities, but it is pretty narrow around the track. Bahrain was a gimme. Bahrain was an easy win. Bahrain, there wasn't necessarily too much of an issue in the first place. There are going to be circuits where there is far more of a challenge coming up. So this is a good start. Encouraging signs. A few of them you've already mentioned, Sam. But we're going to need to see more. And we're going to need to see more from different racetracks. Harry? 
Yeah, bang, bang on with uh, uh, encouraging signs, I think. Um, I, I will reserve complete judgment until we have a bigger sample size, as you've, as you've mentioned, Ben. I think it's going to be hard for them to be worse at this track, I think. Um, well, I say when I say worse, worse than than the previous generation of cars. But but yeah, the moves that Sam mentioned, a couple uh, into turn eight, I think it is when you go through so the sort of sweepy left right. So to make move a move after that is really, I think, is really encouraging because that's the heavy where we'd have had heavy um, turbulent air previously. Um, and also when they go into that tight uh, turn 10, maybe the really tricky turn 10, a lot of cars were following a lot closer through there. Also on the first lap. I know it was the first lap, but that back end of the field where they were just like in a formation, that was bizarre. I don't think I've ever ever seen that before. So another encouraging sign there. Um, but I agree with Sam's point. Maybe DRS is too potent, slightly too potent still. Maybe they need to reduce it. But I think this is something you can reduce over time. And I, I, I'd, for now, I'd rather they they have it, have slightly more of it, I guess. And then you you put you rein it in. If, if it's proved that these cars can overtake without it, let's rein it back as much as we can. Um, but for now, I'm, I'm fine with them having DRS as much as they did for, for this race. Um, so, yeah, it was encouraging. The, I think I enjoyed seeing them struggle, especially out the pits. When Hamilton came out the pits on hard tyres, that was bizarre. Again, I don't think we've ever seen that for a long time so i enjoyed that element i enjoyed the tires degrading quite heavily um and the cars look trickier to drive i think the thing and this is just an, an aesthetic point for me they just look quite clumsy especially when they're high on fuel because they're so heavy yeah watching them on those first laps is a bit like ugh, okay and you know it's going to get better but it's just like oh my gosh they look like buses and then monaco is going to be I don't know. Maybe the, maybe a bus will be better on, around Monaco. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, that's the only drawback for me. But I, I'd I'd rather have that and the cars be trickier to drive and all of that. All the benefits come with it and 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 suffer the slightly clunky looking first few laps. I mean, you mentioned the power of DRS. One of the times that Verstappen planted a move on Leclerc into turn one, I'm pretty sure he was nine tenths back at the start of that straight. So he literally used up almost every part of DRS to the point where he nearly didn't have it. Um, so yeah, I think you have a point there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, we'll round off this week's episode or this race's episode because we will be back midweek for the Saudi preview um, with two teams that performed far better than they did last year Alfa Romeo, Valtteri Bottas getting P6 and Zhou Guan Yu on his debut getting P10 uh, and Haas who haven't scored a point in a long long time to the point where the person who scored the point was someone who has gone and come back to the team Kevin Magnussen got P5 and of course, Mick Schumacher very nearly scored points as well, just to rub that in a little bit more for Sam. Two teams <laughs> didn't perform very well last year, performed much better here. Of the two teams, Harry, do you think there's one that is perhaps in a better position to succeed this year? Um, I Really tricky to read because they both had the top drivers in this race and then the second drivers... 
I would I'd hazard a guess maybe I know I said um, I think in the pre-season predictions that oh, I mean they're out the window mate off. yeah what's right, the fine. point in them um, I mean at the moment Haas Haas look I think like the better package um, but the you know the, I was quite surprised by the Alpha maybe more surprised by the Alpha than the Haas which sounds ridiculous but we've known for a while that Haas have been working on this car so that's, I guess, we we kind of ex- half expected them to to be good, but the Alphas really surprised me. Um, and Bottas looks like he's settled in really well, especially in quali. And and if he hadn't had a duff start, I know he ended up basically where he started, so it didn't matter, I guess. But if he hadn't had a duff start, I would have been really intrigued to see where he would have been. Um, yeah, I, I I'll go with Haas because I I've, I think they they perhaps more advanced with that car than maybe Alpha are, but it's. It's great to see both of them up there. It's such a weird, weird thing for two teams that have been straggling at the back for so long. But Kimi Raikkonen's gutted he left. I was Kimi. literally just about to say that the list of disappointed <laughs> drivers is Antonio Giovinazzi, Nikita Mazepin, and it would be Kimi Raikkonen <laughs> if he cared whatsoever. He doesn't. He's not. He, I bet he's not even watched anything this weekend. What's an F1 race? I don't know. Bottas could have um, won, and he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh well. Yeah, I'll I'll go I'll go for Haas, um, but I think it's going to be uh, that could be a really nice scrap between those t- two teams for sort of best of the rest. I think this season because they've it's clear with that Ferrari power unit and also the 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 you know the developments they made on this on their pack of respective packages, um, they've got some decent cards underneath them. So it's going to be a really interesting one, and I wouldn't rule out a sneaky podium here and there this year based on today yeah we'll see on that one uh you know magnuson didn't need too much more carnage to get up there so yeah um i think of the two teams again as you say it's just for both of them the fact that we're having this debate as to which one is more encouraging is great for both teams and i don't think either of them will be disappointed if they aren't chosen for this because they are both in a far better position than what they were i'll go with Haas as well even though i think of the four drivers i have the most trust in valtteri bottas uh, I think Haas generally, just based on what they were able to do sort of in 2018, uh, back when they really should have finished P4 ahead of Renault, they have more recently displayed signs of being at the top of the midfield uh, to the point where I have a bit more confidence. They have purely focused on this year in a way that we don't think Alfa Romeo quite have. Um, and the fact that Kevin Magnussen can do that, given that he wasn't anywhere near that seat a couple of weeks ago, that's very, very encouraging indeed. And they do, in their second driver, um, have a guy who has one more year of experience than, than Zhou Guan Yu. So I'll go with Haas, but from both sides, that's pretty encouraging. Sam? I am so happy for Gunther Steiner. I mean, the man is an effing rock star, and I could not be more overjoyed for him. Look at, yes, Harry's showing us an image of Gunther celebrating like he's just won the World Cup or something. And you know what? I'm, I'm here for it. I am here for it. I am, oh, the, it's like the entire grid simultaneously dropped their keys in a line and Haas have rung up and leapfrogged. You remember that game you used to play in the playground as a kid where you used to jump over someone's back like that? It's like they've done, they've done it to about six, seven teams. And I can't believe it. I I'm, I'm flabbergasted by the, the development. I knew that they were going to have a better car, right? When you when you ditch your whole year of development and you focus everything, then you think, okay, it's got to be better. If it's worse, you probably should leave the sport. But So it's got to be better. 
But then with the turmoil of Mazepin, with your Carly failure, with what's going on with you know internally with the team, having to bring Magnussen in so late again. I know he was obviously a part of the team a little while ago, but that's still risky. Honestly, I'm so, so happy for them. It is such a brilliant development for them. And you know what? This is brilliant for Formula 1 when it comes to US viewing. To have an American-based team competitive again, fighting for points and looking like they could be strong in the midfield, this is great for Formula 1. So, for me, Haas is definitely the pick. Mick Schumacher, I think, is going to come good. He's, you know, he showed off so well last year. He did so well in F2. I think, give it a little bit of time, and a bit of tutorship from K-Mag in the box office section, he will start also bringing in the results. Um, over to... Over to, over to uh, Alpha, of course. And Bottas, I think, okay, yeah. We saw some classic signs of Valtteri, right? Wasn't clinical in the overtaking... Not a great start. But then, all of a sudden, he's found himself in a strong position. When he runs on his own, he's incredibly well-paced. He can develop strong results. And I think if the, the car, which I do think is slightly worse than Haas, if they can continue to develop that and give Bottas the freedom to get himself into good spots and be strategically strong, I think they can throw in some good, good results. And you know what? Zhou Guanyu. I was really slating him off. And I was not expecting anything good from him. And I thought, arguably... He'd be as bad as Nicholas Latifi this season. I am really impressed with how well he turned up this season. He picked up points. Um, we have the same thoughts as Yuki Tsunoda last season. And obviously we know how that went. It was a bit up and down. I was down. literally about to say this. <laughs> he, um, he, you know, Just don't remember to do the rest of the season, please. Yeah. Please, Joe. Remember where breaking zones are. Remember that other tracks exist that aren't in the Middle East. Um, don't crush See, the car all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, come on, Guan Yu. Um, I think that, you know, he can have a, a strong season here. And I think Alpha have got the car to give it to him. But Haas, by far, are the biggest surprise. I would be shocked to push anyone that thinks it's the other way around. Well done. It is exciting. It is fun. The season has been kicked off to a bloody brilliant start. And we are in for such a huge bag of surprises. So, I'm pumped. I mean, you're, you're damn right we're in for a for a season of surprises and entertainment. We're just one race in and there should be another 22 left to go between now and the end of November. Um, and we have, of course, start off with a double header. So we'll be back midweek for the Saudi preview. And we'll be back this time next weekend for uh, for Saudi review. We are We are here for the entire season, folks. Sorry about it. We're here. We're, we're not going anywhere. Although you, you don't have to listen, it's it's up to you, I guess. But don't just say, don't say that. Oh, yeah, you do, sorry, you do you, have man, to listen. Obligatory yes. have to listen. <laughs> and thank you to everyone who has joined in with our F1 Fantasy League. We set it up thinking, ah, oh, you know, four or five people might show up. I think we're on about 220, 230 people uh, that ended up showing up for that. So um, we'll do a little bit of a points recap um, in the midweek episode, give you a top three and also where where we are. Um, Harry's going to look forward to that one, I'm sure. McLaren is your team, right, Harry? <laughs> 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 <talk> about it. <laughs> oh well some things never change is uh is the moral <laughs> of this episode i guess although nearly everything else has changed um sam if you want to get us out of here and um, mention that we do have a few more items on our store 
Yeah, I I got creative. And when I say I got creative, it is the bare minimum of creativity. Uh, T-shirt selling out on the store. You can find a link to the, the little LB merch shop. If, if for some bizarre reason you want to wear the LB logo, we love it and appreciate it if you do. Uh, that'll be in the link. Thank you, Harry. It's also on our social medias in all the links that you can find it. And if you're really struggling, drop us a message or tweet us. Where's the store? And one of us will come to the rescue. But if you can't find it, I'll be absolutely baffled. Um... Please subscribe, you know, depending on your, your area that you're sitting in. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, leave a review. That massively helps us continue to grow. If you haven't enjoyed it, just go. Not for me. I'll move on with my life. Also, we appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you. Um, do follow the relative social medias, at breaking on Twitter, Late Breaking on Instagram. And if for some weird reason you've absolutely loved it and you stick around for a long, long time, we do have Patreon available, which um, we're going to have a discussion about as a trio, Little Insider. We're going to look at some things to do with that as well to make it an even better experience for everyone on there as well so um, thanks so much as Ben said we're here for every single race and we will be here on every single Wednesday for the whole year regardless of race or not we will not be missing an episode so stay tuned make sure you're about in the meantime I've been Samuel Sage I've been Ben Hocking I've been Harry Eames and remember keep breaking late good for Steiner Rockstar oh <laughs> come on <laughs> Podcast Network.